Blessings. My name is Pastor Malcolm. I come to you in the name of Jesus. And today I will be discussing the doctrine of the resurrection or resurrection hope. To, to properly, from my perspective, to properly understand the resurrection, we have to first go to look at time in, in, in the aspect of time and, and how it relates to eternity. And then we have to understand what is life to properly understand what is death. And when we put all these together, we will understand the hope of the resurrection that we can make it practically and practical in our life. So first, looking at eternity, we turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and we learn in the beginning God created the heavens and earth. That's what the scripture tells us. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in and, and the scriptures, it tells us about this God that created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27, it reads, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, and he shall thrust out the enemy for before thee and shall destroy them. Uh, Psalms chapter 90, verse 2 say, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So when we look at this eternal or everlasting, uh, uh, these, these words, it means without beginning and without end. And Psalms 90 tell us the same Psalm that Moses wrote. It say, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And you always been God. It's no beginning with you and it's no end with you. But then the same Moses right in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and earth. See as far back as the mind can go. And using human words to bring and to teach humans about the God that always exists. Heaven and earth have an origin but God don't. So in the beginning when God created the heavens and earth. It's the origins of the heaven and earth not the origins of God. Notice Moses come not to try to convince the audience that God exists but coming that he it is already assumed that everybody know God exists. Psalms even tell us that the fool have said in his heart there is no God. So this same Moses when we look at Exodus chapter 3 verse 14 asking God who shall you who shall I tell them your name? What shall I tell them your name? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am how sent me unto you. The eternal one, the self-sustaining one, the one that exists on his own. He always been and always will be. He needs nothing outside of himself. This eternal being who manifest himself in past, present, and future and see all past, present, and future and outside of time, transcending time and manifest himself in time. Very powerful. I am that I am. I am have sent me unto you. But then when we get to the gospel of John, John tell us more. He said in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. 
And in John 1.14, the word became flesh or the word became a human. This this shows us that he didn't uh, uh, he didn't he he became he was fully God and fully man. Psalm, I mean Philippians chapter 2 tell us about him laying aside his and some deeds, attributes of deity, and he cloaked himself as a servant. But it was a time in Jesus' ministry. John chapter 8, when um, the religious leaders were disputing with Jesus, and Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Abraham was at this point uh, physically dead for over 2,000 years. But Jesus said that to them, verily, verily, I say unto you before Abraham was, I am. And Jesus said that out of response, of the people that was uh, responding to what Jesus said that Abraham rejoiced to see his day. How could you tell us that Abraham rejoiced to see your day? You are not even 50 years old. And yet you talking to, talking to us about this. And Jesus dropped the bomb and identifying with the one in the burning bush as I am who said that God said unto me. Later in the ministry of Jesus on this earth, John 17, 3. And it's saying, this is life eternal. This is what Jesus said. This is life eternal. That they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou sent. So Jesus now identified not only eternal life is the quantity of life without beginning without end but it's also a quality of life having a relationship with the living God and his son Revelation 22 13 it says I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end the first and the last that's how God identified himself in Revelation and our even identifying himself like that in Isaiah but going back to in the beginning, we understand that God is from everlasting to everlasting. God always been. And at a point in this eternity, at a point in this period, God decided to create the heavens and the earth. And that is what is known to the human mind, the beginning. But then when he created the heavens and the earth, he tells us in Isaiah, he created the earth for it to be inhabited. And in Genesis chapter 1, 26, it says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. This is what the scriptures say. God created man in his image and his likeness. And there's so much debate about what that actually means. We can say that it's a spirit that, as a spiritual being, which I, I identify, I mean, make us different than animals because the animals have a soul, but do they have a spirit? And 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 we look at Thessalonians and say that the spirit, the soul, and the, the body, and even Hebrews chapter four twelve shows a difference between the soul and the spirit. But it's a it's a thin line between the difference. But it is. A difference but we know that from this God created the man to be able to have the capacity to be able to have a relationship with him 
but check this Genesis 2 7 it say God created man verse 8 God put him in the garden verse 16 through 17 God told him not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for in a day he knew it he would die that's when we start learning of death but death came from disobedience we understood that according to scripture so as long as the man, we can take it as long as the man was in alignment with God and with relationship with God through obedience to God and not disobeying him, he is living forever. Genesis 3, 7 tell us that he ate in disobedience to God. Verse 8 through 9 shows a disconnect from God, which is death, because he couldn't identify with the voice of God. Adam, Adam, where are you? And that's the same thing be uh, happening today when the voice of God be heard through the ministers of God and they run. And God's still crying out today through the voice of his ministers, his children, to reach the God, I mean, to reach the, the globe, to reach the world for him. As Paul said in the Corinthians, is that his the ministers are pleading with the world as God is pleading through the ministers to the world. Be reconciled with God. Verse 19, God proclaimed physical death in Genesis 3:19. God proclaimed physical death from dust you are to dust you shall return. Paul tell us a little bit more and, I, and I, I'm giving a lot of scriptures with these things because I really want you to see the picture but Paul tell us this in uh, concerning death in Romans chapter 5 verse 17 through 18 it says for if by the trespass of the one man which we know is Adam death reigned through that one man how much more will those who receive an abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ so then just as one trespass brought condemnation for all men so also one act of righteousness brought justification and life for all men so we see death added unto the picture for we see out of eternity God created heavens and the earth man is now living in a relationship with this God with the one and only true God and he living in life and then God warned him and gave him a command to not do something if he did it then death was get added to the picture because of his disobedience and he disobeyed and then death got added on because of that as a consequence of what Adam did but even though that happened it don't neglect the fact before that God created man for eternity. Or let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. It say, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. That world means eternity. God hath deeply ruined the ideal of eternity in every human being heart listeners I want you to understand something about yourself and about every human being that the heart was built for eternity that's why when we consist, uh, continuously see death we know it's 
abnormal to the human experience. That's why we recoil at the thought of death because we uh, we know that death is not normal. And that's why whenever opportunity we are given to live a little longer, we would take that opportunity because we desire to live eternally. We desire to live forever. This is the reason that people make all these different medications, these different medicines, and even you have science experiences that try to neglect the, the, the wrinkles in the people's face because they want to look young, because they want to they want to live longer. They have this desire. But not only do we see it in that aspect, if we look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 20, Paul tells us something about the human nature, which we call the flesh. He said the work of the flesh and Galatians 5 20 I want to point out two he said idolatry and witchcraft why is that important for it to be brought out because both of these are spiritual worship matters this is the same Paul that identified idolatry or idol worshiping as the demon worship it's the service and worship of an image Psalms 96 verse 5 say idols are demons. Paul said the Corinthians that the, the, the sacrifice that the, the nation, the Gentile offer to these idols, they offer it to demons. So we see that it's a spiritual, it's a spirituality type of thing. But this is in human nature. This is not abnormal to the human experience. This is in alignment with the human nature because the human being is still desiring the eternal, is the desiring the spiritual desire in it but because it have sin in it it won't the eternal it won't the spiritual without God witchcraft voodoo hundu roots all this type of stuff black magic white magic tarot cards and astrology is in alignment with human nature because it tells us a spiritual eternal thing yet without the true God that's what our heart yearn for that is what sin push for that's why you see people get drunk because they have a void in a heart that want to be filled, but it only can be filled in God. But the humans run everywhere else with temporary things to try to fill an eternal void in our heart that is only meant for God. But sin want us to do everything contrary to what God want us to do. But the design of what we were made for is still there. We was built for eternity. Our heart desiring the eternal, the spiritual. But because sin is in it, we look for it outside of God. And we see this not only in witchcraft and but look at all the different religions. We look and we see Buddhism, uh, and the ultimate goal of, the, of Buddhism is to reach the state of Nirvana. Nirvana is a conceptual state in which one has realized his or her oneness with the universe and escape all suffering in the world. Such a person will no longer experience the cycle of reincarnation again, spiritual, but seeking it not in a true God. That's what sin have us to do. What about Hindu? Their Nirvana is called Moksha. Is reuniting with Brahma, the universal God or universal soul. A soul reaches this state after living many lives in which it climbs through the case system. 
human accumulate good karma by performing the duties of the case they were born in both are talking about reincarnation as in if you die this life and you will be born or come back again in another life in the, the the life that you decided to live if it's good then in the hindu if you did a good life then when you die and you come again you may be in a higher case you probably be in a higher family now but you can see it and it got resemblance because buddha he was a hindu at first oh he practiced the tradition of hinduism and now the, the another one is the Zoroastrian idea where they have a they hope is having a bodily resurrection as well they have that type of ideal it's to the point that some think that the ideal of resurrection bodily wasn't in the old testament or judeo literature it was thinking that it was adopted by this when the people was in Babylonian or uh, Babylon and, then it, and not only in a religious aspect but you also see this even when you look at atheists see we, atheists don't believe in God or they proclaim they don't believe in God but the Bible tell us something different the Bible in Romans chapter they say they know God exists but they suppress the truth and unrighteousness their heart yearned for the eternal and, and they say that God don't exist but they bury that truth that God is with unrighteousness and they keep burying it and trying to suppress it and they do everything in their conscience to fight it everything in their conscience to fight it but to ask with the uh, Zoroastrian idea uh, Zoroastrian hope of the resurrection did the Old Testament get this ideal of, of a resurrection from them? When we look at what is a resurrection, a resurrection is a person coming or being delivered from death. Coming back to life, being delivered from the power of death. So if a person go from life to death and then go from death to life, that is a resurrection. If a person is dead, spiritually and, and and they come alive spiritually or having that relationship with God that is a sort of resurrection so but today we're looking at this physical resurrection and we're trying to see we're gonna go to the Old Testament and see is it the resurrection hope is it in the Old Testament or in the with the patriarchs Abraham Isaac and Jacob etc so I want to look at Genesis chapter 12 verse 7 and it say, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And we look at Genesis chapter 17, verse 8. And I really want us to gotta pay attention to this one, amen. He told Abram, he said, And I will give unto thee. And to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger. All the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. So now Abraham is living in this land. God told him to leave his family and go to a land. I promise to give you Abraham by faith leave. 
Now Abraham is in this land and God have said, we, we look at these words and God said, I will give it unto you. But Abraham is in the land. And he said, I give it to thy seed after thee. And he said, now you're you in this land as a stranger. And he said, all the land of Canaan. But then he said, for an everlasting possession. Remember, from beginning, from the end, forever, for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. When we when we look at this, we see that we had to ask ourselves, did it get fulfilled during Abraham's time? Did it get fulfilled during Abraham's time? Because even in Genesis 26, verse 3 through 5, the promise went to Isaac and the promise went to Jacob in Genesis 28, 13 through 15. So we, we see it passed along, but we don't see them get, them them enjoying the, the land or having this possession of the land. We don't see that during the life of Abraham, Isaac, and even during Jacob's time, when Jacob was in this land, Jacob had to send to Egypt just for him to get the necessary food so he could be able to survive. And he, he got the food from his, his son, Joseph, who is very, very important. But aside, you know, Abraham was buried in a land God promised him. In Genesis 25, 9 through 10, Abraham was buried in the land God promised him. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 31, they say, There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And, and there I, Jacob speaking, buried Leah. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 13, they say, For his sons buried Jacob in this same place. Everybody got buried in this land. Joseph was sold into slavery. Amen. He was sold by his brothers and he was in prison and then he, 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 he was false accused and then no, he was sold as a slave, excuse me. He was sold as a slave, false accused, then imprisoned. And then while he was in prison, he was brought up, discerned and given the wisdom from God to be able to make out a vision and give words of wisdom on how to handle the vision. And now his, his brothers was coming to him. But then he said something in the midst of all this in Genesis chapter 50, verse 25, after his brother discovered him. And now they're in, Israel, they're in Egypt. It said, and Joseph took an oath of the church of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. Right? We know he did that. And then he said, hey, ye shall carry up my bones from here. Why was it important? for the bones of Joseph to be carried away to Israel. Why did Joseph want that to happen? Why did he want to be where Abraham was? He wanted Isaac and why he want to be where Jacob at? God promised the land to Abraham. God promised the land to Isaac. God promised the land to Jacob. God promised the land to the children of Israel. He said they were going to enjoy. So within this just like in, in Genesis when God told Abraham to go offer up his son Isaac. And he went up, but while he was going up, he said, we're going to come back. And he went up and then he was finna kill him. And God, uh, the, the angel said, hold on, don't kill him. But then when Isaac what came up, it was like a resurrection. But God have already promised Abraham that Isaac was going to be the person that have his children. It was going to be the person that God was going to multiply through. But how, how could, could God fulfill the promise if Isaac is dead? 
Let me tell you the faith of Abraham. Abraham believed that even if he killed Isaac, God was able to raise Isaac from the dead and still fulfill the promise that he gave him to make him his descendants as the stars and as the sand of the sea. The resurrection. Abraham. Why did he dwell in the land? Because he believed that God was going to raise him from the dead. They enjoyed the land. Jake, Isaac, Isaac believed the same. Jacob believed the same. Joseph said, take my bones there so when I'm raised from the dead, I can be in the land. All of the patriarchs have this, this hope, this resurrection hope that they was going to raise from the dead. Psalm I don't want to just stop there. But some even say that Job, the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. But even in Job, if we go to Job chapter 19, verse 25 through verse 27, it say, for I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the later day upon earth. And though after my skin of worms destroy this body, listen, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. Though my reins be consumed within me. If we look at this scripture, we, we clearly see that Job identifying with his body being destroyed in the dirt by maggots he, he, he even after my skin worms destroyed his body my body deteriorate dust you are dirt you go back but then Joe say yet in my flesh in my body shall I see God how could your body be consumed be destroyed go back to dirt but you're saying in your flesh in the same body you're gonna see God how he is showing us or he have this same resurrection hope that even if his body died God is going to raise him from the dead and he is going to see God it is the same hope as Abraham Isaac Jacob Joseph now we look at it in Job look at this more Isaiah Isaiah 25 verse 7 and 8 it read and he would destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations he will swallow up death in victory and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken it that what Isaiah said he will swallow up death in victory this is what he said God is going to do. God has spoken and said he is going to swallow up death. He's going to defeat death in victory. Isaiah 26, 19. Thy dead men shall live. That's people already dead. They shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. It's Isaiah identifying that he's going to die. But he's not going to stay there. He's going to raise from the dead. And then he say awake and see you that dwell in the dust. For thy dew is as of the dew of the herds, and the earth shall cast out the dead. The earth shall cast out the dead. That means that people are going to be raised from the dead. The earth shall give up the dead people. That means they're going to be raised from the dead. And look at what Hosea said in chapter 13, verse 14. 
I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, I will be thy place. Oh, grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from my eyes. This is what God is speaking to death. He's telling death he's going to destroy death. He's saying death have a problem. The problem that death have is God. God is going to be death's place and he's going to destroy death. Death is not going to exist no more. And this shows us that it is going to be a resurrection. But then, looking at Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. Gabriel, the, the angel that dwell in the presence of God, brought to Daniel a message. And in his revelation, he told Daniel this. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, he said, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. This is what the angel said to Daniel, that it also going to be a resurrection from the dead. See, now... We have to ask ourselves, who is telling the truth? If we look at the Old Testament, look at Buddhism, look at Hinduism, look at all the other religions around the world and say, how do we know if it's a resurrection hope or it's reincarnation or is an atheist just, we don't exist no more or Jehovah Witness is just an annihilation? What is it? What is going on? Which one do we look to? Which one do we trust? Everybody's saying something, but what make everybody credible? Because everybody is saying that a deity or some source of supernatural force have revealed this unto them, even in Islam. Saying the same angel, angel revealed things to them. But before you know that answer, you have to listen to part two. Jesus. 